Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hi, guys. Welcome to Punching Out. I'm Lou. I'm joined this week by Amanda. Hey. And Noah. Hi, y'all. And before we get started, I just wanted to announce that this is our 50th episode. Woo! Yay! (laughs) All right. That was pretty fun. It was. (laughs) We're still recording, though, so can we keep going? That's okay. Yeah, so we've made 50 episodes. This is really exciting. Um, Big thank you to everybody, all the contributors, and to Mike Yates here at uh, WAYO. We really do appreciate the support. Um, But anyways, this week we're going to be talking about the indignity of work. A couple weeks ago, I was on Connections with some dude on some radio station that is also here in Rochester, and... It was about job shaming. It was a little frustrating to be on uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, In case you haven't been listening to us for 50 episodes, which we're at now, uh, and you haven't figured out that we're a little to the left, I'd say, of, of mainstream, Connections is an interesting show. So the I listened to the episode, and I would say that a lot of the episodes of that show that I end up listening to have very similar problems, which is that the limits they enforce on the discourse, okay, of whatever the the chosen topic is, are very strict because they accept certain societal and political assumptions that I think we at Punching Out uh, and more generally on the left – we really don't accept that. That's the whole thing. Not only don't accept, we challenge them actively. Yeah, every week, actively reject them for fifty episodes. Yeah, <laughs> big five zero. We should get a big old cake. We should do that. Yeah. Anyways, that's off topic. So yeah, and and so part of this job shaming episode was about the actor from the Cosby Show who was uh, photographed bagging groceries at Trader Joe's. And the person who did that was like, oh, so sad. He's fallen so far. Boo-hoo. And there was a lot of backlash to that because the attitude from a lot of mainstream people, I'd say, is that, you know, it doesn't matter that he bags groceries. All work is dignified. Which, you know, strikes me as incorrect. But I think it's worth... So, I think... It, you're 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 right. It is an incorrect attitude, I think. But um, I think it's worth unpacking why people who listen habitually to that show <laughs> and who are on that show, and maybe even some of the people who call into, and maybe even the person who hosts that show, all sort of seem to have that in their uh, background radiation kind of thing, like it's built into their character. Because I do think that the person who saw Jeffrey Owens at that Trader Joe's and and decided to make a, a thing out of it. You know, they weren't, they probably haven't read, you know, Capital Volume 1 and they probably aren't in a, in a socialist organization. And so for them, this was, uh, their reaction was born of the society that they're in. Correct. And I think it's worth sort of plumbing a little bit into why people feel that way about work why the case against job shaming was done in that specific manner and and channeled that specific way yeah that's a good point now so let's start there so so what is that that let's just call it the liberal perspective because that's basically that that's what it's called that's what it is um what is that liberal perspective um specifically i'd say just to, to start it's it's the idea that Everybody matters because they contribute. Everybody matters because they contribute in a particular way. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, they're it's productive. Not, yeah, yes. they're productive. Productive is defined by econometrics, right? Yeah. Not by mm-hmm. 
what you what what the actual right. result not, of their labor is. Y- you can be as productive as you want. Like you can go home after work and like make art or music or whatever. But if you're not selling it on the market, if you're not like interacting with the market, then you're not deemed to be. Yeah. That's not the kind of work that makes you valuable. Exactly. Which is is not something that's stated, but is something implied in that worldview that, you know, the the immediate defense to somebody who is trying to make ends meet, while it's true he shouldn't be shamed for, for the job he performs, it was still from the perspective of like, what do you care? He At least he has a job, which then kind of throws everybody who doesn't have a job, doesn't want to work or can't work, in an opposition, they're they're put in opposition to that. Unspoken, there are plenty, but there are plenty of people. There's a whole subsection like the elderly, mm-hmm. like sick people, children, disabled people, yeah. children. Yeah, that can't mm-hmm. work. Yeah, but are they then? Yeah, and we've talked before, you and I, Amanda, on a few episodes about how even like stay-at-home moms and, and people who are wealthy enough to not have to work, they're never given the same disrespect as somebody who doesn't want to work, generally speaking, you know? Mm-hmm. But Which, that's a, cause that's like a, that's a role that, that's a role that's been, that's necessary to reproduce capitalism, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need, you need the, you need the mother right. to stay at home, to do the chores, to do the domestic labor. Yeah. And then, and, and, that's her that's productivity that's not paid but it's right necessary for it the is upkeep. part of pro- production mm-hmm. yeah and and that's really true so so when we're talking about this liberal perspective we're talking about somebody who is productive and contributing they're valuable and it doesn't matter how they contribute air quotes um at least they're valuable yeah i think that's an important point because something that got said on that show was I think explicitly God said this way was it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do it well. Yeah. So there was there was an explicit connection, an explicit idea that the reason job shaming is wrong isn't because you're being a bad human being to this person mm-hmm. um, or that you are actively trying to make another person feel bad, but that you are doing so for a person who in some way is helping to make the great socioeconomic engine mm-hmm. uh, march on. And yeah. and that is a, a, it is a very liberal way of putting this because it doesn't question any of the background assumptions exactly. that lead to that. It just focuses on the individual action. So what's interesting is if you think about like, technical like like way back we're going way back here in order for capitalism to develop fully it was advantageous for like technical workers to be as proficient as they could at their craft so that was that like specific ethos is kind of embedded into society and and was an engine for for like fueling capitalism's development yeah, Absolutely. does that make sense? Yeah, and exactly what Noah was saying is the the problem with the liberal perspective on this, like it is with a lot of liberal perspectives, is that it disagrees with the outcomes but does nothing to address the causes. Right, and and we said this um, on actually I think this week's episode. We talked about how very often liberals will diagnose the symptoms correctly. They'll they can tell you what's wrong but then they completely miss the underlying pathology. And I think mm-hmm. this is a case where, where it's very obvious because, so here we go again, my field is education. And Amanda, you're talking about how capitalism in part was fueled by uh, the increasing technical proficiency of the worker. And for my field, the way that that was very obvious in American capitalism was the factory school system, where it was that that's why the three R's are so important because those were things that factory workers had to learn how to do so that I guess they could put the widgets together the right way. But, you know, they were never being taught um, anything like they, they weren't being taught public speaking and they weren't being taught to read literature and they weren't being taught uh, anything beyond the very basic skills that they needed. 
And even now, when you talk to liberal reformists in the field of education, they'll tell you, well, you know, we should make sure that the kids are armed with the skills that they need yeah. to confront a changing market, which mm -hmm. is one hell of a word oh, to use in that situation. God, <laughs> makes it, me uncomfortable, like physically and right? nauseous. <laughs> and, oh. Yeah, like but I, he's absolutely right. Like that's the goal of education and, and has been for a while is, is you know, it's not really that we're educating people to better themselves. We're educating them so that they can do a job so that they can make money and contribute to the GDP and, and, and education is a means to an end, which is probably the problem with liberal perspective on a lot of this mm -hmm. is, is it doesn't care that, that the system of capital or the capitalism has created a system in which you're only as valuable as the job you do and just says, well, maybe we just need to recognize that all jobs are great. Yep. Which is and are they? That's the question. <laughs> are all jobs great? Let's think, let's, let's. Well, one of the things I tried to, I couldn't say given who was, else was in the room with me during the show was not that all jobs are good. There are definitely some jobs, <clears throat> CEO, Etc. <laughs> Anybody who owns a business, um, they're not good jobs. Those are bad jobs, and they, those jobs ought to be shamed. Uh, but like shaming your janitor, nah, that's dumb. Yeah. No, it, it's not. Not all jobs are created equal. Not and all jobs. Hashtag not all jobs. <laughs> they're they're not created equal explicitly right like they're all supposed to be put into this meat grinder that we call modern society or late capitalism or whatever term you want to use Senile for it. capitalism anyway no seriously so not all jobs are created equal but they're all put into this meat grinder that we call modern society and then the thing about that is if you're not questioning why it's set up that way. Mm -hmm. It is very easy to fall into the trap of imagining that there is a meritocracy and that if you're, you know, bagging at a Trader Joe's, if that's what you're doing for a living, then you must not have been that good an actor because look at what you're doing. Yeah. And what it led to, instead of people kind of going like, well, this is a bad system that leads to people needing bridge work between, you know, the things that they actually want to do with their lives, it was... Uh, a bunch of screenwriters and comedians and people like that all saying, well, this is when I waited tables or this is when I did that. And they were all taking pride in or at the very least saying there is they, they were saying there is no shame in doing any of these things, which to some point is true. But they at no point were they able to sort of break out of that and say, OK, the reason there's no shame in doing any of this is because we that we not only did we not have a choice in the matter we were explicitly channeled into having to do those things. The system that we are living under forces that upon yeah. us. Yeah. I, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like my brother, for example, wants to be an actor. And I've, I've tried to talk to him several times about how the fact that until you're in the actor's union and, and things like that, it's very hard to find work in that as an actor, you're supposed to do unpaid shows and and you know because it's it's how you show dedication and i've tried to tell him over and over again it doesn't really have to be like that but to him that suffering that seems to be air quotes inherent in the job is just what makes him stand out from other people very protestant work ethic yeah it is Maybe. yeah Ooh. For <laughs> once, I'm not the one who brought it up. This is incredible. Oh, flipping the tables now. <clears throat> yeah. It, in Max it's Weber. <laughs> so if, for those of you not in the know, Protestant work ethic is the theory proposed by Max Weber um, that tries to explain why certain countries like England, the U.S., Germany, uh, became capitalist leaders in, in the world and, and why they were so successful and, and wealthy. And it, it relies on the idea that, uh, well, Protestants, compared to Catholics, they are uh, less lazy. <laughs> and <laughs> they, they work hard and they save money. And also they don't care about not accumulating wealth. Um, so it's a little bit of a backwards induction that they're, they're st starting from these countries and being like, oh, well, Germany, U.S., and 
Britain, what do these guys have in common? Oh, they're Protestant. Let's look at it from there. Um, and it's also kind of just cherry picking ideas. Uh, it's not just it's not necessarily an incorrect theory. It's just not a very flattering or useful one, mm-hmm. I find. So like the usefulness of it is that even even whatever it's incorrect, if it's if it's like his the methodology isn't necessarily like kosher. The idea of what of what makes it relevant to what we're talking about is that like the, that hard work and discipline has been like etched into our cultural values mm-hmm. at this point, and it's a secular now it's secular, yeah. And now we've like incorporated that into into the way that we we look at work yeah. in general. And it, to clarify, I'm not saying that Catholics are lazy. I'm just quoting what Mar- Max. Vegas I says. am just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> I am not. Yeah, it's it's a thing. And and both of them are looking at me as the closest thing to a devout Catholic in the room, which is <laughs> a very low bar to clear in this case. But anyway, um, that's the thing, right? Politics, or sorry, religion tends to sort of flow into your background culture kind of seamlessly without you noticing it these days. And th- these values of hard work and discipline and, and the glorify, well... And the acceptance of the accumulation of wealth and so on have all become what we basically refer to as American values. Mm-hmm. Those are no longer a thing that separates, uh, if anything, they're no longer a thing that separates the U.S. from the rest of the world. We now assume that everyone else sees the world that way and that if they don't, they need to be you know, corrected or rectified into having the proper appreciation for supposedly frugality and insane work hours and ridiculous uh, treatment at mm-hmm. work and extremely undemocratic labor practices. Yeah, it's the whole idea that you're purified by your suffering, um, which is a super... That's terrible. That yeah, sounds awful. It is awful, and it's a super <laughs> religious uh, perspective. And your your hard work and your everything makes you good. Yep. So do we think that's the case? Uh, I, I don't, I'm just guessing I'm reading the room. Maybe no, <laughs> no, no, not, okay. no, not yeah. even like a little bit. No. no, 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 not at all. No. So that's complete, uh, horse pookie garbage. Um, <laughs> I think pucky. we can talk horse pucky garbage. Thank you. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about why we think that and what we think in the next section. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hi, y'all. Welcome back to Punching Out. My name is Noah. I'm here with Lou. Hey, guys. And Amanda. Hi. And we've been talking about the indignity of work, and more specifically, right before we uh, broke for uh, for a short message, we were talking about the liberal perspective on work and where it kind of falls short in treating people as uh, effectively productive units within a meat grinder of a system. And what we'd like to tell you about now is what our perspective is and how it differs from that. Lou? Well, all right. So first, we got to answer one question: Is work dignified? On three, one, two, three. No. no. <laughs> Good team. Okay, we all made that's it. it. We're done with the show. Cool. That's it. All right. Let's bye, guys. Home. See you bye. next week. You, yeah. Okay, yep. I guess not because we have forty minutes left. Uh, so work isn't dignified, and the short answer is because ultimately you are working for the ends of capitalism. Yep, you're being exploited, and it it doesn't matter what kind of work you're doing, um, even if you're fulfilled by it, uh, to a certain extent because your work is for somebody, el- for somebody else's profit in almost all cases, it is, it, to some extent, it can't be dignified in any sense of the word. I mean, you can maybe get personal fulfillment from your work. Like, I do feel personal fulfillment from my job, but I also understand that beyond the everyday hardships of my job, of which there are many, um, 
to some extent, I'm working so that other people gain. And I work in a nonprofit, so I'm doing it less than a lot of people do. But if you're working like retail, like I did for a long time, your company is pulling in so much more money than they're giving you because of the labor you're contributing. And for that reason, we really strongly feel that your work can't be good, I guess, to a certain extent. This is maybe the most anti-work we've ever been on this show. Good. Yeah, and that's saying quite a bit. Uh, it, it's a show about work, uh, but to some extent, it's about how work is awful. Yeah. I mean, this is a show that had an episode called The Case Against Work. <laughs> True. And one of the things that um, I think it was Alfred who said it on that episode was that under a very different system, there are still things that need to get done. Things still need to happen. You know, cleaning still needs doing. People still need to be fed. There, there needs to be some form of making sure that sick people are not sick anymore. Children probably need to be taught certain things. Maybe we decide that those things are radically different, but in some way, shape, or form, they'll still have to be educated to be yeah. brought into society as a whole. It just doesn't have to happen for the profit of a very small class of people who sit on their keisters all day and do nothing. Yeah, exactly that. And and like when you get down to it and you think, you know, the idea of all work is dignified, do you mean labor or do you mean making money? Because being a landlord, it makes money. That's also not work. No. No. That's not. You're yeah. doing nothing. You're not doing nope. not a god gosh darn thing. And as, as one of my good friends uh, has repeatedly told me, you can literally show up on the way to your tenant's house and uh, say to you know the, the person who lives there, I owe you a faucet on Monday. And then when they ask you for that faucet on Monday, go, why would you want me to bring a faucet today? Like that's a level, I, I have to imagine that all three of us sitting around this table for that level of performance, we probably hear about it at some yeah, point. That's true. But because you own the place, you know, yeah. you're, you're kind of allowed to get away with being a, a total slacker. And, and this whole idea of, and we, which we talked about in the previous section of, of your contributions to the overall economy being the metric by which you are evaluated as a person is extremely misleading because not only do landlords not contribute anything, uh, they're also considered to be model citizens. And it, you know, they are, they're, they're the, parasites. But <laughs> they are, yeah. they are, but they're, they are contributing. They're small business owners is how they're often things. And that's something like the phrase that always comes to mind when I kind of talk about this sort of thing is the word taxpayer and how that always rubs me the wrong way when people refer to uh, their citizens as, as the good taxpaying people of Monroe County, for example. Yeah. The, the taxpayers of America don't want this. Yeah. And, and you're setting up uh, an opposition between people who are good taxpaying, contributing members of, of the society versus everybody who's a leech, which is a false dichotomy, number one. We know who the real leeches are. Yeah, exactly. we do. Yeah. And they're, they're generally people who own businesses. <laughs> And should be paying more hot taxes take. than they are. Hot take. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's very. It's a lukewarm at best take. Yeah, it it's really very. Is. Actually, it's freezing cold. <laughs> uh, it's the you know taxpayers as as being the only people of society who matter. Again, doesn't take into consideration people who are retired, people who are disabled, children. People who don't make enough money to pay income tax, but still have to pay things like sales tax and and tax on their uh, any property they might own if they own property at all, and and other things like that. Like there's there's kind of an idea that the more tax you pay, the more or the more tax you should pay according to your tax bracket, the more valuable you are. Yeah, no, the the fundamental assumption, and this extends well into the center, and and to some segments of the and to most of the center left is this idea that your worth to society is entirely dependent on you contributing to as you often say Lou to the national GDP which is why for example when you hear liberals talk about uh to the extent that they talk about things like prison reform they they care about people who are incarcerated 
to the extent that they become productive members of society. So they don't really care about people who are incarcerated as people who are incarcerated. They care about them as people who are currently not being allowed to participate fully in the great market experiment, which is insane. They have no problems with prisoners, people who are incarcerated working, um, and they have absolutely no problem with them being paid a dollar a day or less or, mm-hmm. or equivalent as long as they're contributing somehow. Yeah. If you don't, if, if in, in, in this country and in all capitalist countries, if you don't have a relationship to the marketplace, you what, don't exist. Wh- what, 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 where you don't have a relationship to anything. Right? Yeah. Who you are literally you? don't exist. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and what is dignified about that? What's dignified about working in prison? Like there's absolutely nothing to to be proud of from that. Like you have no choice, and that's one thing that's I think overlooked when we're talking about the dignity of work is how little choice we have in in what we do for a living, and the fact that we have to make a living. Right, and and think about the fact that when you hear politicians um, from both parties talk about you know how we need to cut benefits to save money or tighten the government's belt or whatever the heck it may be, right? How many stories do you hear of people who had to stop working, who had to quit working, to, who had to sell houses, sell cars, divest themselves of the only assets that in many cases were the whole reason that they were trying to make a living in the first place until they got sick so they could afford Medicaid or so they could afford benefits from the state or from the federal government, which is another way in which this whole like cycle of abuse that that is capitalism forces you to degrade yourself to earn some small measure of charity. It makes it makes me think of those like that those like local news stories that people really um really like invest themselves in where like it, it'll be some older guy say who like walks t- like five miles to work every morning yeah. and and then walks another f- five miles to his other job or mm-hmm. some crap. And then people buy him a car as charity and stuff because he's so dedicated yeah. to his job. And there's no acknowledgement of the, ins- of the essential inhumanity of that, the fact that this guy is being forced to go to a job where he can't even make enough money to pay for a car to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's, you know, just that's go, not dignified. That's not dignified at all. And to go back to what we were talking about the previous segment, you know, that's the problem with the liberal ideology is that they dislike the symptoms of the s- system that they are 100 percent invested in. Yeah, I think. To go back even further to last segment <laughs> and 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 get there's one. a lot wrong with liberals. Yes, <laughs> but I'm not now. I'm not even going for the liberal perspective. I'm going specifically for that show you were on. Um, <laughs> and think about the fact that the people you were um, the, the people you were around, right? So you were with, I believe, a business owner. Yeah, he was a business owner who was also did construction for a long time. Yeah. Um, and his whole family was like, why did you do construction? That's so undignified. Well, and so, for example, I am two generations removed from farming stock, apparently. I never got to meet that part of the family. They they died because farming in Puerto Rico is was not and probably isn't still a very safe occupation. And they... For my parents and their uh, siblings, it was very, very important that their children do not have to even come close to struggling with some of those things. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, one thing that was just never considered in my house when I was growing up, I never had a summer job because to my parents, that wasn't the point of being a kid whose parents had struggled to move you up the economic ladder. You were you didn't have to learn this personal value of hard work and discipline that early. Some of my friends whose parents were significantly more invested in, you know, the the Americanizing economy, they were getting those jobs. The their parents were making sure that they worked every summer and that they got those networking skills and that they raised their social capital. But my parents were like, No, that's why we worked hard, so that 
you don't have to until you're an adult and you can handle it. Which, spoiler alert, I didn't handle it very well. (laughs) But I think now, after the last 30-odd minutes, you probably know why it's very difficult to handle. And, in fact, you probably knew that before the last 30-odd minutes. Yeah. I I would hope so if you've been listening to this show for 50 episodes. Or if you've just been working. Yeah. Because work sucks. Work, it does. And and so, let's take a step back. So so the reason why we think work is indignified is because you're working for somebody else's profit. But also just work is tough. It's hard. It's draining. Do you like waking up at... Early? Early? <laughs> at r- random, unspecified early time. That is... <laughs> uh, that, that, that hour we all know and hate. <laughs> <laughs> and, yep. and dragging yourself out of bed mm-hmm. and rolling and rolling up to your workplace and just like feeling like existential dread yeah. from the in the pit of your stomach just walking through the door. Yeah. No. Is there anything dignified about walking through the door of your workplace yeah. and wishing that you didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there, you know, the back-breaking labor that sometimes people have to do? You know, I've heard stories. One of the the ladies who, who I work with, her mom works in a factory and has for her entire career, uh, you know, career such that, it, such that it is. And she has really terrible arthritis all throughout her joints because of the concrete floor she's been standing on for 30 years. Mm. My grandpa was a construction worker. You know what he got from being a construction worker? He got a pension. That's one thing. But he also got a, he's got skin cancer on his head from like being out in the sun all the time. Yeah. That's what he got. And, and he got like a back, he got intense back problems from having to, from bending Mm -hmm. over all the time and stuff. That's what you get from manual labor is not, is not to be valorized. No. No. How many, and we're all in here, we're millennials. How many millennials do you know have some sort of mental illness stemming from the need to work? Like anxiety or, or depression or anything else. Like I know several people who, who have some sort of emotional damage because of, of the stress of having to work in this economy. And getting out of school and having several thousand dollars of debt that they know they'll never be able to pay off. And this is this is what work is. This is dignified. Like in what world is this fun for us? Mm-mm. Not fun. It is very hard, I think. You can and we said this, we, we said this already, but you can derive personal fulfillment and, and pride in how well you do something, right? That That's one thing. But the concept of work itself in our society intends and in many cases succeeds in stripping away any dignity that you have as a person because, because it is intimately tied to... Uh, culture and uh, a set of assumptions that dehumanizes all of us the pride like if, if you if you feel pride in your work the ideal way for that that's not we're not saying that's impossible but you it's not if you feel uh the 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 concept of feeling like pride in your work if you think about it in the context of say post-revolutionary society right you're you can feel pride because there are like we've we touched on before there's we're still gonna have to pick up garbage we're still i mean maybe yeah. some things will be automated like we've talked about in other episodes i think um but like there are basic grueling tasks that are gonna have to be done and probably some of them are still gonna have to be done by people um but we in that case we feel we will feel pride because we're doing it collectively for everyone yeah. for the benefit of all mm-hmm. people that that is the biggest difference is doing something for your fellow man versus doing something for somebody else's gain for your boss yeah for your boss or your boss's boss or whoever owns a company because that's even the important part it's not just that you're it's not that you're doing it for somebody else it's that you're doing it for their profit yeah 
they're getting money out of it that you are not when you're the one doing, when you're the one putting in the work, you're the one putting in the labor, you're the one getting repetitive strain injuries, you're the one getting arthritis, you're the one getting degenerative illnesses, you're the one being exposed to toxic chemicals and hostile work environments and what have you. You're the one who is being degraded and humiliated constantly by bosses who get too big for their britches. Or just other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the worst part. So I want to take a second here and talk about job shaming. While we're talking about the indignity work, I do think there are some good forms of job shaming that we should do more of. Oh, we go. which Let's job do it. should we shame? Ooh. Which <laughs> job should we shame? I think we should be shaming uh, all of these capitalists who own stuff and make you work for their profit. Yeah. Every yeah. single one. <laughs> yeah. I know. Really. Really uh, shame. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We're all agreed. Um, because that those kinds of jobs, like being a CEO of a company, so what? Like that's not a bigger, better skill that that's any more time consuming or labor intensive than putting together a car. You just make a way more money. I couldn't swear, so I had to change what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> I even know what you were about to say. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty predictable. Um, like that's that's not a, a thing to be proud of. At all, let alone like not being dignified. That's something you should be actively shamed for. Who are the like those people aren't necessary. No, no. they could be what they could hypothetically all be wiped off the face of the earth by a large weather event or say collective action. Hypothetically, yeah. Um, but they and 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 hypothetically. Um, and the world would not miss those people. No, we'd be no. just fine. They're not. We'd be not. Uh, not even just just fine we'd be we'd have we'd notice a market improvement Mm -hmm. yeah we talked about this the three of us on that episode of uh, the case against genius Mm -hmm. like the the accomplishments of individuals are uh, glorified to really ridiculous extent and and it's false and that's exactly what you're saying amanda is is the the glorification of of these individuals doesn't really exist they could disappear and honestly nothing would change which is also depressing <laughs> now, that, and, now that i've said it out loud and, and think about that S- staying on the theme of dignity though what a joke is it that you can be a certain tech ceo who you know goes and uh partakes of a controlled substance and everyone finds <laughs> out about camera. it <laughs> on camera and not only are you at zero risk of suffering any consequences for it whatsoever except some really awesome memes maybe basically i I saw one where he's eating kfc instead which is probably what he did afterwards but (laughs) he's already humiliated himself enough in other areas that i don't think this adds that much but (laughs) number one but number two like is that gonna matter the next time he heads into a meeting full of other well barnacles right like is it going to matter i don't think it's going to they've all agreed to you know sort of they, they, they're all speaking the same language in that regard. Yeah. Whatever they do outside of the boardroom doesn't really matter to that extent unless it affects their performance there. Unless it affects stock prices too, yes. too terribly. Like how much better would it be if we could wake up every morning and, you know, worst case scenario, we still have to go to our jobs and do the thing. But how much better would it be if we didn't have to hear about these yeah. idiots? Well, who it, can do whatever they want. Even worse, imagine being the person who works for that moron who knows that their job could be lost in an instant if they wanted to do a random drug screening on him mm-hmm. or her. Like, their job would be lost for an instant, and there's your CEO. CEO. In fact, that company does do that. Yeah. Your CEO smoking on television or camera or whatever it was. Like how how awful must that feel to know that the the rules that apply to you have no bearing whatsoever on the person who's making money off of you? Like how how degrading and humiliating is that? And yet they're still trying to tell us that work is dignified. Yep. And if you and if you heard the episode on workplace democracy that we just did, these companies know this. 
And so what they've decided to do is, instead of altering working conditions or changing anything substantive or concrete, what they've chosen to do is alter the language. So now if you work for Amazon, for example, in a warehouse, you don't work in a warehouse, you work in a fulfillment center. Yeah. You don't uh, get fired from it. You, you get know what released. This sounds like worry-free. What's that? Uh, sorry to bother you, which I'm assuming oh, all yeah, listeners yeah, yeah. to this oh, right. show have has seen. Right, if you right, haven't, right. please seek it out. That is absolutely what it is. It's it's they've even, which I think this is why it is so easy for people who I think are generally well-meaning and they care, their hearts in the right place, to fall into these traps because even the language, even the ways that we refer to these things, are manipulated. Not and I think to some degree these people have to know that their workers don't fall for it, right? To some degree, if you're the consultant who came in to say, you know what, stop referring to your employees as employees, refer to them as associates. It gives them a stake <laughs> in the company or some something like that. They know to some extent that you know there are people who aren't gonna fall for this line. Yeah. But they know that even making that effort is I don't exactly know how to put it, but it creates like an expectation that you're going to use that language, at least openly. I know people who play this game very well. And in private, they'll tell you anything you want to about how horrible they find their workplace and whatnot. But in public, they are the first to be the yes people. Got to maintain kayfabe. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It, it's we've There's this idea that we've all agreed to follow this set of assumptions. And I think that allows people like, the host of that show, who I think in many cases his heart is where it should be to fall into these traps. And Amanda's looking at me like she's about to take the pessimist take on this. Please do it. What? No. (laughs) I mean, at a certain point, you need to not just excuse them and say, oh, your heart's in the right place and and tell them you're doing active damage Mm -hmm. to, to your fellow man by supporting these kinds of ideas. No, I agree with that. But I think there's a difference between the person who is um, to some degree convertible uh, to use, to continue with the religious metaphors, (laughs) uh, and the person who is so embedded into those assumptions that they, they have an active stake in them not being broken, which may be the case for a number of people that I think are generally well-meaning, but at least with them, I think it's it's worth trying to find out if that's the case. That's a really good point. All right, well, that's a good take, time to take a break. Uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Punching Out. You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. If you enjoy our show, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. If you'd like to share your stories, you can email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Back to the show. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Lou. I'm joined this week by Amanda. Hey. And Noah. Hi, y'all. And I'm Punching Out. If you're listening for the first time, which I really hope you haven't, because I don't know if we've mentioned, we've done 50 episodes. Woo! Yay! (laughs) Uh, We do like to end on a positive note, and this episode has been a little darker than normal, I'd say. I don't know. It's felt like kind of a downer to me. We're talking about how work is the absolute worst in the universe. And and we want to end on a positive note. So while we've been sitting here talking about works and humanity to man and all that, I just want to make sure that we we make – here's one of those positive notes. We want to make sure that if you're listening to this and you're thinking, why are these three people telling me that I have no dignity or that because of my work – uh, you know, I am an undignified person. We want to make sure to to draw an important difference here, which is that we're not saying that people who work are undignified. We're not saying that you are undignified because you have a job. What we are saying is that the concept of work in a capitalistic system is inherently devoid of dignity because it is an exploitative system that in some way, shape, or form affects all of us, except the barnacles that we talked about in the last segment, and removes are and and remove some sense of that dignity from us. What we would like to say in this last segment to make the overall picture maybe a little bit less bleak is that once again it doesn't have to be that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and right now we none of us cannot work. Even if you're in a situation, or at least if you're like most of us, even if you can't work, you have to work to some to some extent. Um, if we think about all those states that are moving to having work as a requirement to earn Medicare or Medicaid, sorry. Um, or any benefits at and all. Any benefits whatsoever. You have to be, you know, working minimum some hours a week. And and that's truly bad. <laughs> that's real eloquently Suboptimal. Put. Yeah, it's not good. Real bad, guys. Uh, everybody has to work. And we all are... Our personal worth to society, to ourselves, and everything shouldn't be tied to our jobs. Personal worth not being tied to your job or to your economic contributions. Huh. It's a crazy thought. Yeah. yeah. So it's crazy, really- it might just work. <laughs> well, function, maybe. But yeah. <laughs> uh, that was bad. I started off laughing, but then I... Yeah. No, it just... It just mm, no, it soured. Are you saying that you, as a human being, should have, like, inherent dignity that isn't, like, tied to the, to the market? Yeah. That yeah. the market isn't God? <laughs> Wait, it's not? There we go again. I mean, I don't think so. No? <laughs> oh, that's so strange. Yeah. I'm real confused. That's, the, what, that's what they were telling me, that, like, the, the invisible hand, you know, God, same thing. No? <laughs> I guess not. Smithian theology. Yeah. of economics. All I right. mean, but, I like but we're joking, but a lot of people do believe that, and they believe that the market will solve all problems. Um, no, it creates most of the problems. Yep. The First it is the problem. Gives the us problem. ethics and yeah. morality even, uh, it is, which is basically what we've been right. saying, which is that. It's, it's that's prob- very strange. I would call that problematic. It is problematic. <laughs> so, so yeah, we need to, to think of ways to decouple, as I said in the show, but, you know, a couple weeks back that, that sparked this whole episode. It, it's, important to decouple the your value as a person from your job your job is what you do to make a living um it has nothing to do with your value as a human being it has nothing to do with your right to get food and water and shelter and and luxuries as well Hmm. yeah yeah and that's that's the the luxury bit you know is something that a lot of people still wouldn't agree with. Like they might go so far as to say like, well, if you're a human, you shouldn't starve to death and you should have a house, but you shouldn't ever have a good time. And you shouldn't that's have a stri- fridge in your house. Yeah. That's uh, or air conditioning. Are we, are we doing the environmentalist yeah. episode here? <laughs> it's eco-socialism time. Fair enough. <laughs> Just kidding. But, it, um, but that's the thing. Like it's, uh, it, we'll, we'll give you just enough that you can drag yourself to work in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the afternoon or the night or whenever it is that you work. Brett, we want bread. And maybe some roses too? Maybe? maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, and we want luxuries to not be luxuries, basically. Exactly. Like we want them to be something that can be enjoyed by people who aren't on, mm-hmm. you know, who, who aren't worth 10 digits. Yeah. And I can hear some people somewhere out there that might have accidentally turned on the radio and don't already agree with us going, well, then what's, I work so hard so I can earn those things. And if everybody just got them, then they'd be completely useless. Okay. So there's lots of problems with that way of thinking. Um, Why won't you share? Why, why (laughs) is it important to you that your luxury be exclusive to you? Um, why is that? What do you get out of it? It being special for you and not shared by everybody. Like, is that your motivation for going to work? In which case that's maybe not a good motivation and maybe work isn't really all you think it is. And maybe the reason that you think that is because once again, you have really fallen for this trap of your, your value is your place in the market Mm -hmm. And really, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. And people really have bought into that that ideology. And, you know, the harder the work, the more rewards you get. Which is not, that's not a fun thing to do. 
and it's not even a true thing to do. Mm-hmm. There are days, and I think we'll all agree on this, and I think most of our listeners, even if they don't agree with us on uh, what we're saying here, would agree. There are days when you show up to work and you do the minimum and it works out okay. There are days you show up to work and you work really, really hard and you go max at it all day and you accomplish nothing. In fact, I venture that there's probably more of that second category than the first. Yeah, fair. Does that devalue the things you've done in any way? Not really, um, which is one of the reasons why why your value as a human shouldn't be tied to your contribution or your level of contribution to your job. Which is, it's it's not that hard of a concept. <laughs> I, I really don't think it's that, that strange of a concept, which is one of the reasons why when I was on that show, everybody was like, yeah, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Then why is it that we treat ourselves and other people like that? Why, why do we continue to do this? Because this is actually a fairly easy step to change and just changing the, the mindset you have about other people. Like, are you, are you thinking, well, if, if, I don't, if they don't work, then, then they're not motivated to contribute? Who are you contributing for? Like, the whole system is flawed. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So what can we do to do better? So we're going to decouple work from your value. I what honest, else can we do? I honestly think the, the most important and immediate step is workplace democracy. Like, one of the reasons that work is such an undignified thing is that, especially in these cultures, workers have almost no say in how their workplaces mm-hmm. are run. It is very hard, I have to imagine... It, it's it's got to be very hard to see yourself as as a person worthy of inherent dignity when the place where you spend most of your time and the place from which you derive uh, your worth in society gives you no reason to feel any dignity because you have no say in it. You yeah. have no way of affecting anything that happens within it. I'm not saying this is the end state here, but I am saying that I think it's a step in the right direction and while I'm not normally an incrementalist I think in the (laughs) I think this is one that has real concrete immediate gains that I think you can build on rather than just you know tweaking around the edges and and then kind of calling it a day and we're also not saying we're not saying that you can't like own and celebrate your status as a worker too right as that's all. That's never going to be the be, case. Like exactly. Yeah, we want you to know you're a worker. We want you to know that it sucks to be a worker. You right. don't want to be a work. You don't want to be in, in the ownership class either. But you don't want to <laughs> be a worker because it sucks. Yeah. But you are one, and you have to understand what that means yeah. and what your place in the wider context is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that like workplace democracy as you're talking about, I think is instructive to teach, teach workers that how to, how to wield that effectively. Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons that we honestly, we didn't talk too much about why work is inherently indignified. It's not just that you're working for somebody else. It's that you have no choice. Like we think of, of you're making the choice to go into work today, but you know, the, the sad reality is if you don't go to work, if you don't choose air quotes to go to work, you're dead. By hook you know? or by crook. Yeah, as Amanda said, gone. like your your existence is only gauged insofar as you're engaging with the market. So you either engage with the market or you don't exist. And that's not a choice. You can't have dignity in suffering through. At least in my, that's my definition of dignity. My de- my definition of dignity doesn't include um, being forced into a situation that isn't a choice. Yeah, it sh- your life shouldn't be self-flagellation. <laughs> like <laughs> you deserve better than that. Yeah, and more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. You deserve the chance, the opportunity to choose to be proud of what you do. Yeah, and to own your status, as you were saying, as a worker, not to have some corporate culture or some outside influence 
right, uh, determine the bounds of your worth mm -hmm. to society. Mm -hmm. You should get to choose that for yourself. Yeah. It, it, dignity comes from something internal. And it shouldn't be given to you externally through grace or your employer or anything else. Which is kind of a strange concept. Is there, do you guys think there is or can be digni dignity at work now? Like as it currently yeah. Like if I went, when I go to work on Monday, <laughs> am I going to, do I feel that that's a dignified thing to do? Uh, or not quite. Like what, what could we do right now to make work dignified besides the democracy, anything like that? I don't know. I, is there an answer to it? I mean, workplace democracy does cover like a range of solutions mm -hmm. all the way from things like traditional style unionization mm -hmm. to code determination to this is turning into a sequel to this <laughs> week's episode. Um, but to even uh, completely alternate administrative structures, but what they all, the reason it's such a useful term and the reason it is to quote uh, Ryan, who was the main host on that episode, the reason it is cool as hell <laughs> Is because it 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 is the mechanism through which dignity at work is achieved, yeah. because it fully it it actualizes workers as people. It gives them the chance to be participants in their own workplace. In other fields, when again going back to the well here, but when we talk about education, half of the things that teachers get beamed at them these days are that their students should be active participants in their own education. And then those students are going to go out into a world where they're not allowed to be active participants in darn near anything else. And especially True. not the thing that will replace school in their lives, which is their job. Mm -hmm. So they're supposed to go from a classroom where they're supposed to have all of the agency in the world, apparently, but that's another episode, <laughs> to a workplace where they are allowed none. Yeah. So... Whatever form it takes, in some way, shape, or form, you have to give people the ability to have a say in how their workplace is run. And a say that isn't – you have to give them a say that management and that uh, the parasites who run the world currently can't immediately just, just render inoperative. Mm -hmm. It has to be a say that comes from them and that stays with them and that gives them actual power. I think mm -hmm. that's the key word ultimately. In our, unfortunately, in our system, dignity derives from power. And if you give workers the power to run their own workplaces, the dignity will come with it. That's an excellent point. I think maybe that was the question I was trying to ask is, is can we separate dignity and power? Like, can we get, but I don't know. I think, no, those are excellent points. I don't have any, any counter to it to be, to, be perfectly frank i think that's absolutely true so workplace democracy do it now demand yeah. it empower yourselves and others and others yeah rise like lions from your slumber empower your class yeah. exactly well we're just about right out of time uh it's been really fun talking to you guys um before we go we really wanted to thank uh, ryan brister who punching woo, out is his brain <laughs> air horn air horn uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, punching out is his brainchild and he has helped us so much this this year uh, we are eternally grateful for him giving us the opportunity to to contribute to the show uh, for giving us a platform to discuss these issues which aren't ever really discussed uh, it definitely not on other radio stations with other shows that with also happen hosts. midday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ironically, that show is running right now, so please avoid it. Mm, whatever. Uh, no, no, so please avoid. Uh, please avoid. <laughs> right? um, it's it's such a it's such a fun to record these, and it's so much fun to hang out with your comrades and and talk about how work is the worst. Yeah. Beyond yeah. beyond just oh what do you do what's your value as a person according to your job title, uh, 
I've heard so many great things about this show and the time that I've been doing it and about episodes I'm not even on. <laughs> so modest. So we'd just like to make sure for all of these great episodes we've had, thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. You're the best. All right. Well, you've been listening to Punching Out. I'm Lou. Uh, we're here with Amanda. Hey. And Noah. Bye, y'all. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.